0: Thanks everybody. I hope you can hear me. So um, I'm very happy to have this opportunity to uh, to give a paper here on this important event. So uh, just now I have another paper, have another book. You have forgotten to mention Heidegger and East-West dialogue. Uh, that's from uh, 2008 with Routledge. So that's uh, 11 years ago. And also, 11 years ago, I, I published a paper in this journal of the British Society of Economics, I'm very happy with it, uh, so, but I want to note that um, my, I, I, I think some Heidegger scholars have uh, uh, intended have tended to, to fit my uh, study in that book uh, on Heidegger and uh, Israel. In the scheme of not more than criticism of Heidegger's Eurocentrism from someone coming from a Western country. And this is done at the cost of demoral the points where I would actually agree with Heidegger's insights. Of course, uh, in this world that remains as precarious as Heidegger's times, it is not the case that one can say at once all the no one could entertain in his or her thinking. So today I'm going to talk about the theme of going under. Uh, Heidegger's um, under, under, under gun, I'm sorry. <coughs> so, so initially I have wrote uh, written uh, double rows, but later I found the um, multiple meanings of gun, of going under for Heidegger. But still, um, this double role is still prominent because in one place, in the Black Notebooks, Heidegger uh, speaks of two kinds of going under. One is a nonconformity with the time of the consummation of modernity, a lagging behind on account of refusal to participate in machination. The other is a disappearance in the concealedness of the other inception. So I think my paper will deal with Uh, these multiple meanings of uh, going under, but of course I'm going to focus a bit more on the historical significance of going under. Um, (coughs) So This theme of going under is important not only in the three-volume ponderings, but also in Heidegger's other non-public, in historical writings around that time. So I have put this picture here, uh, which I think is funny, because Heidegger was often considered to be a hidden king in our modern times. And he was actually writing for the future, because according to him, being obfuscated by the Gestalt, currently few people can understand him. This is why he actually has planned for his non-public writings to be published rather late. As Heidegger explains, the long public is not the private, but is rather the domain of a decision for steadfastness in the truth of being. This means that his manuscripts are not suited to the taste of public opinion, nor are they following the currents of fashionable theories such as pragmatism, which offer facile solutions, but nevertheless for Heidegger is never done of the question of being. I shall not refer to them as private writings, but rather as non public writings. So, the first section of my paper is the era of gigantic going under, and it's in connection with the greatness of historical being. The literal meaning of undergone is decline, destruction, downfall. So, one would think of Spengler's The Decline of the West. For Heidegger, Spengler has understood decline. Uh, in the sense of going to the end, that is as perishing. But still, in terms of going under, Spengler has depicted the situation of the abandonment of beings by being. At that time, some people believe that current technological progress gives the lie to Spengler's claim of the decline of the West. In that, things are going forward everywhere for them. So, let's obviously the progress, everything is advanced. So, why should? Spengler speaks of the decline of the West. Hence, Heidegger often states that the most dangerous thing is to turn a blind eye to such situation. The necessary precision of going under is the greatness of a historical being out of venturing the truth of being. In the contributions, Heidegger declares, our hour is the era of going under. One needs to confront the era of going under. The giganticness of such an era is characterized in more concrete terms, in the Black Notebook's approach. Europe is actualization of the decline of the West." End quote. For Heidegger, Europe is a planetary notion. His expression planetary here primarily signifies the domination of the totalized comportment of beings. Europe is a consummation of the essence of modernity. Which is a consequence of productionist metaphysics. In contrast, the West is an essential and historic notion. Heidegger points out that Spengler understood the West in the term Western civilization as culture, and the decline of the West as the perishing of the West. In the event composed in 1941 to 42, Heidegger offers some elucidations, I quote. So he says, Europe is an unconditional and calculative order for actualizing the going under of the West. It is also the name for the fact that this going under is not simply allowed, but is urged on and made secure as an unconditional devastation. So this is from Heidegger's event. Since the going under decline come comes at a necessary consequence of the evolvement of the history of being, when being withdraws. Rather than disowning or trying to save the going under that belongs properly to this era, Heidegger suggests that one has to let the devastation take its full course, while at the same time looking forward to the initiation of a new inception. Heidegger even provides a tentative timetable for this cause of devastation in predicting that around the year Chosen uh, 300 Americanism will have exhausted itself when there may again be history. So such a timetable class takes three hundred years corresponds to what he says concerning the possibility of an East dialogue from other places. Uh, in Hundred fifteen, Heidegger admonishes, not a safety, if history is proceeding toward an end, then an exception must already prevail. The inceptuality of this inception, however, is concealed, though it can be sheer going under, or the going under is a transition into the other inception and already comes out of it, end of quote. So precisely in what looks to be the doom of the West, there conceals the inception. So, um, Alternatively speaking, uh, going under the underground is a PVT or PVT. Is constitutive of the transition, Übergang, into the other inception. Between Übergang and Übergang, there is a close etymological relation. Uh, in another work, Heidegger explains that the Unter, the Unter, uh, this is also on the PPT, the Unter does not mean hinab, but rather enough into the concealment. The Unter is, quote, the dignity of the bow impetus, end quote. The bow appears to be bent, but that is in order to shoot the arrow afar. So the unter is not just going down, it is in order for the arrow to shoot afar, so it is not just negative. Um, So in this essential um, sense, going under is a path, to the, is the reticent preparing for those who are to come. So this is the main idea of the, the first section of the paper. I'm not going to read the episode because I <laughs> the time limit. Section 2, The Necessary Courage of Going Under of Humans. In a sense, the bleak situation which Stengler describes as decline does not only involve the complete beinglessness of means, but also concern the laws of human essence in the midst of the technological age. The consequence of modern subjectivism is that there are no more human beings as such, but a species called mankind. So this is the Heidegger's words. A species called mankind that is dispersed impartially into the mechanical void. With the expansion of subjectivism into the gigantic, every individual shares the same concern and pursues the same goal mediocrity, and averageness are what is valued. Those who are not going along with such universal interests can be said to be going under. Similar to the interconnected double sense of going under in relation to the modern era, as both decline and the joint of transition to the other inception, the going under in relation to human beings also takes two forms. One is straightforward. Those who fail to recognize the historical necessity and gigantism of the age and do not keep pace with the latest fashions in life are cast out. They go under. This is also uh, connected with the non-conformity with a refusal to participate in machination that's mentioned uh, in the introduction. The other form is philosophically more significant. Prima beings are required cultivate a different compliance in such plight. They are expected to venture their essence as a steward of the truth of being, and safeguard the crushing worthiness of being. He says in a foreword to Ponderan 11, that's here, the courage uh, for philosophy is a knowledge of the necessary going under of Daza. In another foreword, he accentuates the lack of such necessary Going under in the current modern era, um, the current proof is the knowledge. Uh, yeah. um, Heidegger considers that modern humanity is also abandoned by being, and that the Second World War originates out of an uh, abandonment by being of the now modern modern humanity. Those who dare to go under are those who can experience the desolation of the abandonment of beings by being. And can raise the conceptual question about being. In contrast, those who are lost in the comfort of pursuing various novelties of technological device are cowards who lack the courage of meditating and questioning. In the contributions I and mean, in most of the ponderings from 1931 to 41, Heidegger often speaks going on in relation to humans who are clearly distinguished from Dazan with Dash the humans should not let themselves led astray by the idol of progress, rather they are expected to possess the courage of going under for the sake of preparing for the occurrence of being, even an occurrence in which being withdraws itself. Heidegger rights in the contributions, those who truly go under do not know gloomy resignation, which no longer wills, because it wills nothing of the future, and no, just as little noisy optimism, which, despite all the self-assurance, still does not genuinely will, since it blocks itself against winning beyond itself and against attaining itself only through transformation." The human beings who go under can neither be said to ascribe to a sort of resignation without will, especially without winning anything of the future, nor a modernist optimism that refused to be open to self-transformation in order to acquire a new self. In comparison, Darazhan with dash is connected with the event, and can be considered as a site and the moment where and when the essence pre can be cleared. So this is section 2 in relation to the of God. Section 3, the inception being historical significance of going under. Heidegger emphasizes that going under is neither a lack and loss, nor something that subsequently befalls. It is not the case that the truth of being is initially grounded and then going under follows it. Rather, going under, I quote, begins out of the uniqueness of an essential decision in favor of the question-worthiness of being, and thus constitutes the grounding of the truth of being. Heidegger occasionally refers to this episode as tragic in a special sense. See the second paragraph. Being itself is tragic, that is, it begins out of the going under queer abyss and tolerates such an exception only as that which does justice to its truth. End of quote. Thus, going under constitutes the innermost kernel of being and the most primordial sense of being is tragic. And also see the last um, paragraph, the tragic is what takes its ascent from its descent, its going under, because in the abyss it has taken on the task of grounding, uh-huh. and closing toward uh, what a questioner was it, belongs to the essential character of a tragedy. In acknowledging the primordial significance of going under for being, it is as important to recognize that it simultaneously entails descent and ascent, and that in a sense grounding is derivative of going under. What Heidegger attempts to convey in terms of tragedy is the necessity of keeping open the space where the question worthiness of being can be brought into play. In Mindfulish, another non-public writing, Heidegger recognize that the abyss and the going under constitute the most primordial essence of Fuses, Hence, uh, I cite, uh, Inceptual being is, is a rising and thus already the going under, because the clearing that is abyssal and is no longer promising overwhelms it, and of so forth. In this very first inception the inception Being in the very rising is already going under. It belongs to clearing at the first inception that it is abyssal and fails in promising. We cannot identify this saying with Heidegger's more familiar discourse, that the very 1st and is immediately overwhelmed by consumment. What is conveyed by speaking of going under as the essence of the inception Being, is that concealment is prior to unconsumment and always disturbs and puts restraint on it. One of Heidegger's self-criticisms of his approach and contributions is um, the the, the event still does not receive the purely inceptual essence of the epics. Thus, after the contributions uh, such notions as event, inception, abyss, going under, and tragedy should all be considered as shared residences in the free-plane space of the clearing as the abyss, and should all be pondered upon from out of the inception essence of the abyss. It is in, um, on the inception uh, that Heidegger emphasizes that, uh, see PPT, the last paragraph, the inception must be going under. What was it going under is Inception itself. It devotes ample space to going under in connection, not only with Inception being, but also with a new term, and the incipience, how we translate as incipience for the root. Incipience is intended to convey the vitality of the movement of the unfolding of Inception. It is thought more from out of the event. According to Heidegger, in C-pies is the event of going under. We are familiar with Heidegger's discourse of overcoming of metaphysics, uh, the winden, uh, metaphysics uh, that stands from the 1930s, but how to understand his discourse of, uh, of overcoming of being, with the that's designs So overcoming of being as going under of the nation. So how to understand his discourse of overcoming of being? According to Heidegger, I quote, only in the overcoming of being itself is the overcoming of metaphysics appropriated, because only in the overcoming of being is a ground for the possibility of the beginning of metaphysics left behind. From this perspective, we can see that Heidegger wants to push his questioning of being even further. It is not enough to have discovered the old spelling uh, being the Zhang or the old spelling in the contributions, which is actually a half public, half non-half uh, public, half non work. Since Heidegger pronounces in the beginning of that manuscript that "contributions to philosophy" is a, is a public title, and from the event is an essential heading. We need to go further to discover the nothing, the going under the abyss, as the essence of being. So Heidegger's self-criticism of the contributions, here we already found in the mindfulness, in the context of a critique of his own approach to the nothing. First, the metaphysical concept of nothing, Hegel's unbecoming, immediate, second, the being historically thought metaphysical concept of nothing, the addition of three, the being historical concept of nothing, the abyss, as the essence of being. So in spite of the efforts of overcoming metaphysics from the bondage point of being historical thinking and contributions, in particular its conception of the nothing as non-being, Heidegger deems that the nothing thus considered remains entrapped in the metaphysical style, in that it is equalized with the nichelating movement with respect to the beingness of a being, which notion is conceived still metaphysically. Hence, Heidegger advocates that the nothing be grasped as a groundless abyss that simultaneously grounds being. We can consider this reversal of the relation between the nothing and the being as what Heidegger has in mind in speaking of the overcoming of being, through which alone can the foundation of metaphysics be really left behind. At the same time, the departure of is uh, so I haven't explained the term departure, uh, it's also in the, um, the exception. Departure means um, more related to concealment. So the departure of is entails the radical liquidation not only of beings and of being, but also of being, the, the of spelling of being. It is in this collection that Heidegger associates the overcoming of being with the going under of the nothing. He says, uh, the essence of being can no more be only being, all is turned back to the intimacy of the departure. The departure of is." serves as an alternative way of describing the overcoming of being. The overcoming of being is an overcoming in the inception. More importantly, CPPT more importantly, the inception as going under overcomes being. So it can be seen that Heidegger's thematization and going under is rather radical. In the inception going under, being is overcome. From another perspective, uh, I quote on the PVT, the overcoming of metaphysics is only the beginning of the overcoming of being. The nature goes under in its inception. This going under turns toward the innermost of departure. However, the overcoming of metaphysics is a needed foreground of the uplifting history of being, in which being itself goes under. So now I'm going to summarize my study for characters notion of going under. So for this paper, I have reviewed and elucidated the multiple meanings of going under that have remained buried in Heidegger's Pompulence, with references to his other non-public meditations on his being, written in the same period of time. In relation to modern era, going under means both decline and the joint of transition to the other inception. In relation to human beings, it also takes two forms. One is a non-conformity with and refusal to participate in machination. The other is to cultivate a different compliance to being. That is, the human being is expected to regain his or herself by placing him, him or herself into the unique position of the and thus to become the grounder of the truth of me. More importantly, Heidegger accentuates the primordial role which going under plays in the grounding of the truth of being. After the contributions, such notions as event, inception, abyss, going under, and tragedy, should be considered by sharing meaningful resonances in the free playing space of the clearing as the abyss, and should all be considered pondered upon from out of the inceptual essence of the abyss echoing his reversal of the relation between the nothing and the being. So this thing I have dealt with uh, in an article on Heidegger and Hegel in the, in the issue three of this year's of the British Society for Knowledge. In relation to his reversal of the relation between the nothing and the being, Heidegger even speaks of the overcoming of being in stressing the priority of the going under in the inception. As we know, Heidegger insists that his black notebooks be published after all the other volumes of his collected works. It is the editor's decision to have them published, instead of waiting for the completion of the editorial work on other volumes. One of the things Heidegger himself says concerning his ponderings is that they are intended to capture the basic dispositions of questioning and directed into extreme horizons of tempest at thinking. And, uh, quote. Against this background, we can better appreciate the fact that in the event a uh, work, immediately following his ponderings, Heidegger speaks of the going under recollection, going under recollection um, the going under recollection, I quote, the going under recollection inventively sinks the incipience of the inception, inventively sinks the concealment and its intimacy. So it seems to be a natural development of Heidegger's attempts at capturing the basic dispositions of questioning that he shifts from the discourse about going under as a necessary courage of humans to the discourse about the going under reconnection in relation to concealment and the event. This entails an emphasis on thinking itself instead of humans that has a disposition of going under. So it is also in the event Heidegger carries forward and supplements his consideration of the inceptual being historical significance of going under. However, rather than speaking of going under as a necessary courage of humans in the event, he uh, is not talking about going under as a necessary courage anymore, but rather Heidegger presents it as a disposition of Dazan out of the essence of pain, something that is receptive and passive. In the meantime, it is noteworthy that Heidegger emphasizes identity of Dazan and being, the Dazan with a dash and being, like um, Dazan as reception is being. The result is that Dazan becomes even more differentiated from Heidegger's early notion of Dazan, that is in a way related to humans. So in the early Heidegger, I think that Dazan still has a of um, affinities to human being, So this thinking that is going under in its essence later leads to Heidegger's innovative ideas such as the other thinking, that's the other thinking, and the more familiar, letting it be glass and height. So we have studied the other thinking in the paper of 2014 in Philosophy in West. Um, from this vantage point, the esoteric texts of the Ponderance have not only revealed, or with somewhat relatedly, Heidegger's concern with the machinational and planetary world situation, but also helped us understand the involvement of his thematization of, his of the going under from out of the history of being, including its being historical significance as the overcoming of being. So, I have the very last PPT, which is a, a painting from Frank Gogh on the starry light. So, the, I think this reflects very much of uh, the Heidegger's saying that the tragic is what takes its ascent from its descent, it's going under. Because in the Ibis, it has taken on the task of grounding. So, in our time, in our times, I think I have experienced quite a radical exchange of the world situation uh, from when I was studying for, for my Ph.D. Uh, in that time, uh, in 2001, this uh, nine online uh, <laughs> um, event happened. Now from that time, that's uh, almost 20 years ago until now, so we have experienced very radical world situation. And um, at that time, I was still regarded as um, a student from the developing countries. In <laughs> 1998, I went to London to study with the support for supporting uh, some students from the developing country. But now China is not considered as a developing country anymore, but rather considered by some country as a world power. So I think in our world now, so what looks like? Ascent may be descent, what looks like descent may be ascent, you can never tell. So let me think of the Chinese notion of time, the cyclical time, which takes its uh, calculation, some kind of calculation of like 60 years as a cycle. So as history always repeats itself. So can we, we can also think of Heidegger's uh, notion of repetition. So thank you for your attention.
1: That's my paper. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we have questions coming in already. Thank you for your paper. I, I would, I'm wondering if, but my original thought would be would be to ask you about this going under under, untergang. <laughs> with respect to the previous paper, to this presentation, in Nietzsche, because of course, Nietzsche urges the everyone to go under, above all perish. It's kind of a mean thing to say. Perish, die, whatever you do, we'll all be fine, uh, which, is what, which is Nietzsche. But it, it seems to me from your discussion of the boat that there is much more a Herdlinian element, more Herdlin, than Nietzsche in this particular notion with regard to the tragic not necessarily a Nietzschean thinking of the tragic, but a Hordelinian thinking. Because for Hordelin, there is this overarching element in poetry of the bow, and of life, and this, and love, but especially life, is bending under bending down, which is part of this. And it seems to me it doesn't put it in history very well. But it does put it in a historical context or a life ion, on everything in history context. And I'm wondering if you could say something. I was first going to ask you about if you could connect your paper with, with the previous, but now I'm wondering if you agree or disagree with finding this notion of tragic in Huddlein rather than, say, Nietzsche, who after all writes about tragedy. Uh, uh, thank you very much
0: for the question. Uh, I think. You are right in discerning this Nietzsche uh, influence, how we have I think we can say influence on Heidegger's thinking, as uh, he just uh, also talks about. Um, uh, so, concerning, so actually, I, I I didn't have Nietzsche in my mind when I'm writing, but I recognize there are resonances with Nietzsche. Uh, also, like his internal recurrence of this kind of idea. Um, so when I was talking about tragedy, I was not think of uh, uh, Nietzsche. Um, I, I, actually, the uh, tragedy has, in this connection, has more no references to Greek tragedy. So I think you are right in deserving the, the, um, the connection with Hodlin much more than with, uh, uh, with Nietzsche. So I think that the influence on Heidegger is mainly uh, uh, predominant in the 1930s. But later on, she was uh takes on uh, his influence on Heidegger.
2: Uh-huh. OK. I oh, hope yeah. you have a you. you. You may simply uh, not not deal with this question, but i will to ask it anyhow, because I was very interested mm-hmm. in what you said at the end about when you brought in contemporary China. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that the number of intellectuals who became members of the Communist Party were early on very influenced by Nietzsche. Womoro, Wushu, people like that, you know this. I was struck by your analysis of going under, going out, so forth. And it led me to wonder if you saw any relationship between that and what Mauzole says in contradiction. Oh, I'm sorry. What you said the connection is going
0: under.
2: The the back and forth, this 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 both this this ongoing going under, canceling out, coming back, uh, struck me as having a parallel in, in Mao's writings in contradiction. Now, this is if you find this a
0: silly but question. Yeah, not <laughs> only <laughs> one. Only one
2: mouth. If you find this a silly question, just it. So if you say Chamma Mao, it's
0: easier to recognize because. I'm it's easier for us to recognize because from small, but he's always regarded as Chamma Mao, never as just a mouth. So he's always. The Chamma <laughs> Mao, <about to see. laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's always China. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, I think um, yeah. Uh, um, I think perhaps one of the uh, pieces by by China, Mao, so I'm still addressing my China Mao because I'm used to that. Uh, was used as uh, one of the uh, as one of the articles in a textbook for Chinese Chinese language in the middle school. Mm-hmm. So I think several, I several other uh, pieces, like, uh, uh, many, like the memory of uh, many other things. Uh, so I think he, he there in, in my faculty, so uh, the, the New University of China has the biggest faculty of philosophy in China, with almost 90 faculty members. Um, in my faculty, there are, uh, the there is a group of uh, Marxist philosophy, and they uh, are specialists in Marx philosophy, or Marx thinking. And uh, for my, for me personally, I think uh, Marx idea his ideas the combination of Marxism and also traditional Chinese philosophy. And um, uh, to be more specific, uh, he has inherited not only uh, the legalist thinking in China. He has also borrowed from the later uh, Neo Confucianism, uh, the heart uh, school. <coughs> so that is why it has a strange thing happened in China. Well, because when I was studying, we have to study Marxist philosophy in the high school, also. Um, and I remember when I was saying, well, matter is, prime, is the most primordial. First, matter is primordial. But in many uh, events happening in the 50s and in the 60s, it seems that it is a thinking, like has put the, the, the fo- as a focus. So I think that, that is a kind of his um, inheritance from the hard school of the Confucianism. I <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay.
3: first uh, kind of contrast between in Europe and in the Arn or in England, even in the Evenland in one land because I mean sometimes it just means it's one kind of historical foundation of yeah, the other or clever than the other. We got comes up with me for that is that's not really a photography question But I mean how we have you talk about Maroca about China? You then think about this kind of it seems fundamental underlying truth of the evening what does not really talk about that this is the ordinance, which doesn't extend, I guess, in the Indian So that, back like to Europe and Ireland, was one. The direct following on that, how does that, or do you see any relation of that to this notion of uh, mortality in the Black Novels? Because in the Black Novels, the idea of mortality seems to take on a completely different uh, not meaning, but different somewhere than we have in time, for example. So this kind of not individual downfall of going under in relation to that of the other so, I think I, perhaps I can recognize two
0: points uh, in relation to the question. One is in mortality. I said immortality. I think Spengler actually, Spengler's idea about the uh, has more of this uh, this novel um, decline as, a, uh, as a, has a sentiment like culture has more mentality uh, has more um, influence in Spengler's spending this world. So, but perhaps not Heidegger concerning the planetary, I, uh, I think Heidegger has this idea that Europe is a planetary world. So he has so he think that uh, the West urban the land is rather different. The West Urban land uh, is rather different from Europe. Uh, because for him uh, the West the open and down, so he has a lot of writings on the historic significance of um, the West. something essential, historic. While Europe it just uh, uh, represents the planetary world. It is uh, uh, that is uh, the consequence of this um, productionist metaphysics that has to be overcome. Uh, so it's rather different. Um, yeah,
4: Yeah, I kind of, I mean, thank you for your paper. It was uh, wonderful to listen to it. But my question isn't really a, a question of scholarship about Heidegger, but more about using Heidegger to think about the world in which we live, and also links to some of the themes in Uli's paper. And I just want to say, isn't time running out for the kind of things you're talking about? I mean, we're not actually fighting to keep people out of this room, are we? And uh, it doesn't surprise me really that we're not fighting to keep the bloodstream. And I just think, well, yes, it's all very good. I mean, lot of my students are getting involved in something called extinction rebellion in this country. And there's a lot of other people who are very interested in it. But climate scientists tell us pretty much now that time is running out. And I wonder whether there's a connection between the time of thinking, which is what I understand what you're talking about in terms of ascent and descent, and tragedy, and, the, and time running out. Uh, used to be twenty years. I've read some re- research papers now that say twelve. That is, with the increase in global temperature, we enter a cycle which is irretrievable. And I suppose sometimes I think, well, how? I mean, I can understand formally how Heidegger's thought is absolutely relevant to the descent and ascent of West of that Europe as a planetary. Whatever, if, if the actual planet is running out. I wonder whether what what is the ascent? What if the time has run out before any ascent is possible? Uh, so you may, you may be more pessimistic. Now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I say it's not a highly scholarship question, but more more. Uh, you...
0: Yes, when I was working on this theme of on this dialogue. I was often confronted by such question, because Heidegger was considered by most Chinese scholars um, as, a, as some, some who has encouraged, uh, who is very positive about the cultural thinking. Uh, but I think uh, Heidegger is more complicated than that. And uh, just now I also mentioned his prediction of this, uh, because he, he predicts that uh, the, uh, the West, first the West has to, be, has to achieve their self-transformation first, the devastation has to take in its full course. And then can it be possible for the West to be ripe or strong enough to confront with the East? Because also on the other hand, for Heidegger, the East is also dominated by the planetary thinking. So it is part of the place where the style has expanded. So everybody, like contemporary scholar for Heidegger, is all under the influence of the style. That means they're all thinking planetarily and they are all under control of this uh, productionist metaphysics. So even themselves cannot have access to to their own old ancient classics. And only after the devastation, that means this consequence of production, uh, this uh, metaphysics has uh, overcome, the negative consequences have overcome, can there be any true dialogue. Uh, So that is his idea. Uh, so I don't know how what to say about. Uh, there the, is a lot of be words.
4: Uh, Do you agree with him? Uh,
0: somehow I in a way I think not agree with him. Uh, uh, because it is a very precarious route, uh, but many and uh, many people have not realized this. Uh, so I hope, yeah, I hope thank you. That's anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.